Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The number to join us. What day is it? It's Monday, September 12th. You know, I actually got up early this morning. Not sure why I'm, uh, I got all kinds of notes here, but right when we were getting ready to start, I got sidetracked on something else. Actually, I'm kind of wondering why my volume doesn't look correct. Let me see if I can fix some things here. All right. There we go. That sounds a little better. All right. Yes, it's Monday. That means it is a free-for-all. Anything goes. If you have a question, a comment, a topic, pick up the phone and join us. We're opening those phone lines right now, 855 855- Nine five zero three eight three five. Looks like calls are already starting to come in, so I should probably get uh, get organized and get with the program here. Weekends. I am. I have just been taking weekends completely away from business, from the news, from politics, from everything. Uh, which is kind of nice. I could use the break. Still trying to decide. I'm going to run out of time here soon. Uh, If I want to take October off from the news completely, I talked about it last week. And if so, I'm going to write opens for the whole month so I don't have to talk about news or politics. We'll see. Um, Starting to run out of time. We have a lot of stuff going on right now. Uh, All good. We are going to get to the calls. Keep them coming. What did I have? I do have a couple things. I'm trying to decide if I want to talk about this now because calls are already starting to come in. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run through this. Um, so you're going to have time. If you want to jump in, go ahead and pick up the phone and join us. Um, first off, the economy. I, I'm really, really digging deep into just every kind of number and economic indicator I can find just trying to see if there's some sort of a pattern developing here yet. And, you know, honestly, the the closest pattern I can come to, and it's starting to look even more like that. We've talked about it before, uh, 40 plus years ago, the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s, um, under Carter, the economy really stalled. We had something called stagflation, which was really bizarre. The economy was stagnant, but yet we had rampant inflation. We don't have that right now. We have really bad inflation, the worst we've seen since that time, but we still have a strong economy. The The stock market is still doing pretty well. It's been volatile, which is usually Sometimes an indicator that we're about to make a big move and any big move in the market's going to be down, but it's still strong somewhat. It's actually looking pretty decent today. It looks like it's on its way up again, but volatile. We've been up and down for a while, and that's pretty typical. The, the other patterns that we're seeing um, that are similar to then, the interest rates are going to have to start, continue going up. We've already started. It's possible they may get more aggressive. We have a supply chain issue this time that's big. That is really confusing the market. The supply chain issue is actually 
worldwide. So that's creating a lot of uncertainty in this market. Uh, but it, it's really starting to look a lot in, like the 80s. You know, I read another several economists now that believe that we will have a very sluggish, slow economy for the rest of this decade. That reminded me of the 80s because Reagan took over and it started to turn around. But for the most part, the 80s, just not a good decade financially, but there was something weird about the 80s. We also call that kind of the decade of decadence where we really started spending a lot of money on things. And and I, I remember this fairly well. I was in Seattle at the time. And that's really when and where Starbucks kind of kicked off. You know, we were used to really, really cheap coffee. Coffee was just cheap uh, until Starbucks came along. And we started spending, I don't know, back then, two bucks. Um, now it's five or six on you know, specialty coffees in the morning. That was just one of the things. But that whole decade was kind of remembered that way, except for the fact that a lot of people didn't have a whole lot of money during the 80s. There was a small group that did. We're kind of seeing that again. Um, The really rich are still getting richer in this economy. The poor are probably holding their own, And the middle class is getting hammered and we're moving a lot of people from the middle class to the poor. That's never a good sign. One of the other things we need to be watching right now, um, the potential rail strike. Boy, the, um, who was it? The ATA or somebody, uh, ATA, um, says if the rail industry goes on strike, which they're talking about, they're in negotiations right now, that we would need 460,000 trucks to make up for the rail lines not running. That's impossible. We couldn't come anywhere near creating that many trucks and drivers, not even close. I'm not sure that we could create any, really, especially for short term like a strike. Carriers are not going to go out and add a bunch of equipment, hire drivers, or even attempt to hire drivers for a strike. So if this were to happen, it's really, really going to screw up the supply chain. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Um, The ATA is actually trying to work with Congress to get involved and resolve this. Not that I think that's a great idea, but that may happen. Um, One other thing, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. I just thought I'd mention it. Um, Driver Appreciation Week is a joke. I've ranted about it many, many years. I'm not going to rant about it this year. Um, I, I I get all kinds of nasty emails when I talk about this too, but it really is. It, it was nothing but a giant PR campaign to try to do something for drivers because of the driver shortage, but it, it's really kind of a joke. Um, certainly, you can talk about it if you want. I'm not going to rant about it this year, mostly because the calls are starting to pile up, so we're going to get to the phones. We're going to head off to Massachusetts to get started today. AJ, welcome to the program. Hey, good morning, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. What's on your mind today? 
Oh, not bad. I got the pole position today. That's good. There so, you go. Uh, just wanted to talk about <laughs> just to talk about the uh, who who moved my cheese book. Read that this morning, or I listened to it on Audible this morning. <laughs> Had all kinds of my mind was on fire yeah. after that. But you almost <laughs> think that if everybody in everybody in the government read this book, it might get something like get something done. Um, but, yeah. Uh, what a what an impressive read uh, uh, that is. Yeah, it really is. And and boy, talk about, uh, you know, it's, it's called a parable or a fable. When I was growing up, the fables were really, uh, we did a lot of them in school. I mean, you learned a lot of lessons from fables. And that's really what this is, a fable, a, pari- a parable. It's like a cartoon almost written with a lesson. It's really short. What it, It's less than three hours, isn't it? It's uh, less than an hour and a half. Okay. Around an hour and a half. Listen. Yeah. I knew it was, so, was pretty short. But it, it this afternoon again. It really is a great lesson, and it's really good timing right now. You know, I can certainly say in my lifetime, the biggest change has been how fast change comes. Things change so fast now, and for the first 20 years of my life felt like nothing changed. And then computers really started hitting and that drove a lot of our change. This was a technological change. I think this next round of change we're looking at is primarily based on autonomous technology of all kinds, not just vehicles out on highways, but automating many jobs which has already been going on, but I think that's going to accelerate a lot. Uh, and the switch to electric, which I think is being handled horribly. The government's going to make a mess of it, but that's really what this change going forward is going to be based on. A lot of automation and a lot of switch to electric. And that's a big, big change. So, learning how to deal with change. And that's what this book teaches you, by the way. I don't think we've said that yet. The whole point of this book is to help people deal with change. I, I don't know why I am the way I am, but I'm glad that I am. Not only do I not fear change, I thrive on change. If something doesn't change for a while, I'll do something to make it change. That that's just, for some reason, that's just how I'm wired. I don't know why, but I'm glad that I am because, like I said, that's that's what our economy is all about, and it's about to get worse or better, however you want to say it. Change is going to happen even faster, and we're about to go through some really, really big changes. So great timing to uh, bring this book up today. Yeah, it's um, it can it can be applied in all aspects of life. It can be applied at several different ages. I'm gonna. I just had this talk with my children the other day, 13 and 14, boy and girl, and um, talking about comfort zones and and what kind of uh, uh, what kind of hurdles you can come over and get outside your comfort zone, and how much greatness uh, starts outside your comfort zone. And I'm gonna apply this book to them because I think it should be a mandatory read. Excellent. In yeah. Kids are going to yeah. be facing these changes just as fast as we are, and they're not going to know how to do it. But if they are, if they're equipped with this tool, it's it, it you know to make it a you know depression and and all everything going on with with kids nowadays. I think if you if you got this 
going for you, um, you and learn how to adapt, how to sniff out and how to scurry, you know, all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, that's right. Be so much better for them. Yeah. You know, um, what you just made me think about something. I was talking about our school system a week or so ago and how bad it really is and it's gotten much worse but it wasn't all that great when i was in it let's be real um, our school system has never been all that great really hasn't now there are some places where you know maybe upscale communities that have built some really good school systems it's fairly rare for the most part um, most of our schools suck and they always have but i was just thinking you mentioned this book should be a mandatory read and i can think of all the books that are so good that would teach us things that are really important in life. You know what? You don't even need a teacher to teach this course. Just set up a bunch of books. And I'm thinking back to, you know, early in school, I was a really good student. And I'm talking like up to about the fourth grade. Um, on a roll all the time. You know, learning for me has always been easy. And yet, for some reason, after the fourth grade, things started to go downhill quickly and I barely graduated. And I, I really, I, I would have just said back then, well, I just don't like school. Um, but looking back now, I think I was just bored. I, I don't think I liked the way we were learning. Had they offered me a class where I could have read books like this and then do a book review or a book report or whatever, I probably would have loved a class like that. And I probably would have started reading this kind of material a lot earlier. I, I read all through school, all Absolutely. the time, but I, uh, all I read were novels. I read for enjoyment, for pleasure. Um, the first book, I still remember it. First book I picked up, like self-help kind of book was, I was in the army at the time, and it was The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent Peale. Great book, by the way, probably still a really good book. Um, it was the first book that got me thinking that, you can change your destiny, that life is really in your control. And when you start realizing that and being proactive, things get better. I mean, that was the first book. And that's all it took was one book to start me down that path. And then I couldn't get enough of that kind of stuff. Why, why don't we just have a simple class like that in our schools? Right. Yeah, and you don't even need the class. I think you just need uh, some, you know, some time to read a, a few books and put books like this out there. And and once the kids yeah. get started, I think, uh, you know, I think it'll it'll take off. Yeah, it's what a simple class. Find the right teacher, somebody who really loves to read and is into this kind of stuff anyway. But then make it more of almost like a book club. You know, here's the assignment. Here's the book. Um, not a lot of testing and. You know, read the book, talk about the book, figure out what you learned from the book, and move on to another book. Yeah, absolutely. I was the same way in school. Uh, I did a lot of reading when I was in detention. And I was in detention yeah, exactly. I, was yeah. <laughs> right. I think I was bored too. And they yeah. told me I had a lot of catching up to do in high school to get to get to graduate. And then they introduced me to the automotive class, and I went in there and yeah. I kept my mind occupied and kept yeah. engaged and I was constantly using it for critical thinking. I, I took the absolute bare number of classes 
that I had to to pass. I, I mean, I knew exactly which classes I had just to pass. That's all I cared about. And then once I had those taken care of, and it wasn't much, I'm shocked at that. There, there really weren't many requirements to graduate, honestly. Once I had those like, kind of laid out and scheduled, I filled in with every oddball class you could find. Um, wood shop, metal shop, auto repair shop, body shop, foods, home at, you name it. I took every one of those classes I could find. Just something easy to get through the day. It's, uh, it's amazing what you can do with tools. Yeah. Uh, one tool is the oil analysis. I'm the one up in Massachusetts. I got the uh, DD-15 that found out that the bearings. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Coating to go through. Exactly. So, but I'm going to call back with that tomorrow. I got the oil sample of good. that. And, good. Uh, that way Pete will be on, hopefully. And we'll go from there. Sounds good. All right. All great right. talking to you, Kevin. All right. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Minnesota. John, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. I made my, well, I attempted making my first batch of Eldroot Rye yogurt today. Okay. Or this last weekend. Um, I was looking on the tribe, and there was a comment on the Tuvid machine that you suggested saying that it only went for seven hours. So there was an issue. Somebody had an issue with it. So I went. Hold on. I I have two sous vide machines. So I want to make sure we're talking about the right one. I have an old Sanser that I've had around forever and it doesn't even have a timer. You just turn it on. It'll run forever. There's no timer on it at all. Then the new one that I really like is the Jewel. It does have a timer, but it absolutely does not shut off after seven hours. You can set the timer for as long as you want. I set the timer for 36 hours and just took a batch out this morning. I think they had the fault. I think it was a U-type shaped one that you recommended for making yogurt before you bought your second. Oh, oh, uh, yeah. There was there was one that there was some that almost looked like a gun um, kind of shape. Yep. I, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, that was one of the early ones yep. I recommended. But I, I, that's why I wanted yeah, to make sure I we're talking about the right one because I, I immediately right, switched right, yep. to the Jewel. I still think I yep. have a, no, a lower priced out there because the Jewel's fairly expensive. Right. But anyways, I went to go pick up a second one. I didn't notice the temperature. So the lowest temperature, the one that I picked up was 104. And I had already mixed everything up by the time I got that far. So, so here's the thing. Kind of garbage, throw it away. No, don't again. don't throw it away. It is going to be garbage, not because of the temperature. I have a feeling that four degrees, I don't know if that's going to matter or not, but we can't tell on the first batch. The first batch of El Ruderai is always right. a mess. If you do everything perfect, your first mm-hmm. batch is going to be a mess. Your second batch gets better. The third batch gets better. By the fifth, it's okay. perfect, in, in my experience. Now, it's interesting okay. you bring up yogurt today. You know how I've always talked about the life lesson that we learn a lot more from our mistakes than we ever learn from getting things right? Yep. I'm about to experience that. So when I first started making the yogurt, I made the El Ruderai. First batch is a mess. Take that immediately, which I'll do today. 
Uh, you create your second batch, and then it starts getting better. And then my El Ruderai was just beautiful. Rich, creamy, had dozens of, of batches that came out beautiful. Every other yogurt in the list, first batch was perfect. Rich, creamy, I'm using the A2 half and half. Absolutely loved it. Up until about two weeks ago. And two weeks ago, I pull a batch of El Ruderai out. It is worthless. Totally separated, mostly liquid, and what was left looked like looked and smelled like cheese, not yogurt. Like I, I'm not even going to attempt to use that as a starter. So I had some frozen starter, so I went down and grabbed that, tried another batch, did the same thing. So then I thought, all right, I'm just going to start all over. I'll start over with the tablets. I know the first batch is going to be a mess. At the same time, I'm going to make a batch of the bomber because I'm really craving some yogurt. I haven't had any for two weeks. So I make two batches, just finished them this morning right before the show. I open them up. They're both a mess. Un unedible completely. I'm thinking that, and I don't even know if this is a possibility. Here's the problem. Because everything worked for me right every time I did it, I have learned nothing about what to do when it goes wrong. So I'm in the same boat as everybody else. And when they people would ask me, they would post pictures, these really bad batches, all water separated. And I go, yeah, I don't know what to do because I've never had that happen. Well, now I have. And I'm thinking, what? I mean, three batches of El Ruderai that haven't worked, starting with new tablets. Um, the first time a batch of the bomber didn't work at all. So I'm thinking, I've got something wrong here. This isn't a coincidence. But all I can think that it could be is the yeah. inulin. And I'm not sure that the inulin can go bad. I don't know. Have I gotten some sort of contamination somewhere where I'm getting a, a bacteria that I'm you know, culturing and I don't want to, I, I, I don't know. So I've got to do some troubleshooting and digging and get my yogurt making back on track. Yeah. I've ordered a different, uh, sous vide machine to, that does down to 70 degrees and all the way up to 250. So that oh, should perfect. work better, but, yeah. uh, yeah. So uh, I got it sitting in the uh, strainer right now. Yeah, just just know your your first batch will edible. be a mess. Just go ahead and I mean, if you can get yep. anything edible out of it, if you get some you know some creamy kind of yogurt separate from the whey and you taste it and you like it, eat it. But most people don't get much usable mm -hmm. out of that first batch of of El Ruderai. The second batch becomes pretty yeah, edible. Yeah. The other thing about the El Ruderai that we found, the thicker the dairy you use, the better your outcome is going to be. Like I wouldn't even attempt to do El Ruderai with just with whole milk. I do mine with half and half. And sometimes so I even add a little extra heavy cream. You do full half and half? Full half and half. Yep. Gallons worth of half and yep. half? Yep. Full oh. half and half. Okay. Okay. And when I can't I find to, uh, half and half, um, Alexander's has a whole milk that's actually 6% butter fat. Most whole milk is only 4%. Yeah. So that 6% is a really yeah. heavy vitamin D milk. And then I'll put heavy cream into that. 
If I can only get the A2 milk, then I'll put heavy cream in to thicken it up. Yeah, I got uh, I think a pint to half and half, no, quart to half and half, and a gallon of the uh, heavy, the whole milk. So yeah. I'll mix those together in my next batch. And yeah, I was. See how was, that goes. I was disappointed this morning. I've been without yogurt for a couple of weeks, and I was really looking forward to it this morning, and both batches came out bad. I don't know what's going on. Well, thank you for at least knowing that I can save the way and yes. go from there. Yes, definitely. Out, so. Definitely do that. All right. Let me know. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna go back to the drawing board. I'm gonna order new inulin. I'm gonna clean all the equipment really well. Uh, I don't know what else to do other than that, really. Um I've checked my temperatures just to make sure. I mean, the odds of both sous vides being out of calibration all of a sudden would be odd, but I checked that, the obvious stuff. All right, we've still got some calls. Lines are open if you want to jump in right now would be the time. 855-950-3835. It is a free-for-all today. Anything goes, pick up the phone and jump in and join us. I'm going to head off to Texas. Bob, welcome to the program. Uh, good morning, Kevin. Thank you for taking my call. What's on your mind I have today? I a question about... Uh, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can. What's on your mind today? I work for a small trucking company, about 20 drivers. And in April of this year, they offered us a per diem program of $150 for an overnight trip. And we're all W-2 employees, so I was just kind of wondering, I can't get any answers from them how they came up with $150. Um, they pulled it out of their ass. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, and it makes no sense. In fact, it's going to be wrong, and it sounds to me like they're going to create a problem. If they say overnight, to me, that means one night, right? Yes. Well, one night only pays $67. You can't pay 150 That was, was kind of the discussion I had with them. They uh, acquired a new CPA was going to save them a bunch of money and i understand well, their savings on the side of it by paying us that amount yeah it's easy to save but money on taxes if year, you just cheat hell that doesn't take a good exactly. accountant anybody can figure out how to cheat but yeah you're they're they're gonna Correct. put this on the driver the driver's the one that's gonna get screwed here because most drivers do not know how this should work i'll explain it to you so you know if they pay you too much, it's your okay. responsibility to report it as excess income and pay tax on it. That's your responsibility. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if at the end of the year you sit down and you say, I'm just going to use random numbers. I, I had a hundred overnights. They paid me $150 for every one of them. I have more than double the amount of per diem I qualified for. And I have to calculate that. I can claim the per diem. Well, actually, the per diem I did qualify for, I just ignore. I don't have to do anything with that number. I don't have to report it anywhere. But because they overpaid me, you have to report it and pay tax on it as excess income. 
Correct. And here's a scenario that, that will happen. I can promise this. I've seen it before. The IRS does not catch stuff like this. People think, oh, it has to be okay. I've done it for years on my tax return. So what? All that means is you haven't gotten caught yet. And most people never do. I mean, even if they hire the 87,000 more IRS agents, yeah, about twice as many people will get audited. But in the in the world you and I live in, uh, small business owners with the, the amount of revenue that's average in this industry, audits are about 1%. So even if they double the number of agents, we could say, okay, maybe now 2% will get audited. That's two out of every hundred people. So the other 98, every one of them could be cheating 16 different ways, and the IRS will never know it until they audit them. Some people never get audited. Some people go decades cheating and never get caught. It's actually fairly common. So, you know, to, to... but, but here's what is going to happen. Somebody will get caught at this, and I can tell you exactly how it's going to happen and how bad it's going to be. Because they won't catch it right away, we get two or three years down the road, you guys have been doing your tax returns this way, and I come in one day and say, oh, you guys are screwing up, this is all wrong, and everybody says, no, it's not wrong, the IRS hasn't said a thing. We've been doing it for years. Okay, when they catch you, and they will catch somebody, they can go back three years. So you have three full years of tax returns that could be audited for double per diem, and now you owe all that tax. And guess what else you own? Oh, because this is your mistake. You also owe interest and penalties, which don't slow down. They just keep adding up. I've seen this really destroy people. Okay. It was all rolled out in just a a group text message that we could now claim overnight stays for $150 per diem off of our gross pay. So I had an issue with that at the beginning. It's all supposed to be laid out in a specific plan, isn't it? um, Yes and no. The fact that they wrote the text would be enough to be called a plan at the IRS. I mean, the, the, there, if you go read, I, I'm sure it sounds like you did some research on this. There is that whole thing. It has to be this formal plan. But a formal plan, they could really point at their text message and say, there's our formal plan. So I, there, I'm okay with that. Um, but the, and if, even if you took this to the IRS right now, if you said, hey, IRS, look at this, they want me to claim double. The IRS would say, we don't care. We have to see what happens at the end of the year. There's nothing to say they couldn't give you $500 for per diem six times a year if that's what their plan is. The, the IRS has no rules about how they pay this per diem. They can pay it any way they want. It could be based on mileage. It could be based on percentage. It could be based on, on somebody throwing darts at a dartboard. The IRS doesn't care. All they care about is at the end of the year, did you try to claim more per diem than you qualified for? And if you did, you have a problem. If you claimed less than you qualified for, there is no problem. And they don't care how it got calculated or paid. All they care about is the end result. Did you claim the proper amount or not? 
okay, do you think I'm going to be in trouble? I was participating up until I had a well, sizable I, it, check. We don't need to I guess. did not participate. We, we, you don't need to ask me to guess because that's all I would be doing right now is guessing. But we don't need to right. guess. All you need to do is go back over that time period Count the number of nights you were away from home and multiply it by 67. That's how much you qualify for. Then just add up how much they paid you and what's the difference? Did they pay you too much or not enough? Okay. Okay. And what about, like, are they mandatory or are they voluntary? Is it matter or? Is what? It should be voluntary, correct? Is what voluntary? Uh, getting paid program. this way? Well, that's totally up to the company. Yes. Company absolutely can make it okay. their pay model. You want to work here? This is how we pay people. Okay. okay. Yeah, you don't have to agree well, to this at all. Your... Right. Right. Okay. Well, thank you for your information. You answered a lot of my questions. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. All right. Lines are open. 855-950-3835. Pick up the phone and join me. Anything goes. If you have a question, a comment, a topic, anything at all you want to talk about, jump in and dial right now. We're going to head off to Pennsylvania. Jeff, welcome to the program. Good morning, Kevin. I have a tax question. Um, I am an LLC being taxed as an S-Corp. I've got uh, two truck operation and I've got four personal vehicles. Now I'm to the time where I I need to replace one of my vehicles. And um, I'm wondering if I buy another vehicle, can I put that solely in my business name and deduct it 100% all expenses and everything with it? You can if you only use it 100% for business. Well, right. But just the the fact that I've got three other personal vehicles, I guess it would be pretty easy to say that, yes, this is just used for 100% business. It, it, it doesn't really Correct. matter. All those things that we try to say we're doing to justify, it, the IRS could care less about any of that. Here's Here's my take on vehicle deduction. I don't ever really try to say the vehicle belongs to the company and is only used for company business. You just open yourself up for a problem. Um, The IRS kind of knows, look, if you have personal vehicles, they're getting used. Your kid took it to prom, whatever. They they know that a a small business is going to use vehicles personally, business. So they give us two different methods. And here's the thing. When it comes to they give us the actual expense method. And that's really what you're talking about right now. You would have to use the actual expense method. So you would get uh, depreciation. You would take actual deductions for insurance, for fuel, for maintenance, all of those things. It's a lot of work. You have Mm -hmm. to keep the receipts just like you would for your truck. And then you have to submit mileage records and, and you could just claim, look, it's a hundred percent business. And you'll, pr- just like I said, audits are pretty rare, probably get away with it for years, if not forever, but you can probably get just as big of a deduction 
and not have to keep all the receipts. If you just say, look, I have vehicles, four of them. I use them all sometimes for business. And all I'm going to do is keep track of my business miles, and then I'm going to take a deduction for the mileage allowance. And the, the allowance, honestly, is about double what we really spend for a vehicle. Okay. Well, that sounds like a, a better idea, and that's why it, I called you. Just here's, what would be my better option. Here's where you would get a bigger deduction if you do it your way, and you may decide to do it that way. If you're going to claim it's 100% business and it really ends up with not a lot of miles on it, which I, that's what's going to happen. Really, mm-hmm. how much driving do you do for business? Um, just basically back and forth. I mean, I park my truck out on, out on the interstate, so I know you I can't. can deduct the miles that I drive no, you back can't. and forth to my truck. You Is can't. that correct? Nope, you can't. That's the one time you can't because they consider that commuting. They now consider oh. if, if you start your day at the truck and you park the truck somewhere else, that trip to the truck to work is commuting and it's never deductible. Oh, well, I guess that may be changes plans. <laughs> I was under the impression that that was deductible. Nope. Now, I have, I've tried to help people get some deduction for those miles. You know, if, if I have an over-the-road driver and he, the truck is at the terminal somewhere, which is fairly common, and terminal's 30 miles away from home, and they're not scheduled. You know, it's typical over-the-road, irregular. You don't know when you're working, when you're not working. Um, and they go back and forth to their truck maybe once a week or so, like a typical over-the-road driver might. Mm-hmm. Might even be once every two weeks. In that case... I tell people every time you drive back and forth to that truck, it's not every day, but every time you do it, make some other stop that has something to do with business. And then that whole trip now becomes deductible. So if I have to drive to where my truck is and I stop at the drive through on the bank and I deposit a check, that's now the whole trip is going to be deductible. It wasn't commuting anymore. I had another reason for doing it. You can't get away with that every day. If you go back and forth to your truck every day, you can't get away with that. If you do it a couple times a week, we can get away with it most of the time and get a deduction out of it. But if most of the miles are going to be commuting, then there's no deduction. And again, if you then wanted to claim, no, look, I bought this $40,000 car and we only put, you know, 6,000 miles on it last year, then you would get a bigger deduction by using real expenses. And then you just, you know, deal with it in an audit if you ever get one. Um, or you just say, I'm going to take the mileage. Well, I mean, I- But if it's low mileage, you paid a bunch of money for a newer car and you don't put many miles on it, your deduction is just not going to be that big. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not looking at buying a new, I'm looking at buying maybe a five or $6,000 vehicle. Take, take um, mileage. I don't really buy take mileage. New, new. Take mileage. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I, I was just, I was just looking, I mean, I was thinking since I have to buy something, I want to try to, you know, every dollar I spend, I try exactly. to make it tax deductible Absolutely. if I can. Right. Right. And, um, but right. So I guess, uh, now here, let me, let me, let me, let me ask mileage you rate is? Like, <sighs> Go ahead. I'm going to say like 59 and a half cents or something. 
Um, that changes quite often. Okay. Per diem usually only changes once a year if it changes. Some years per diem doesn't change at all. The mileage allowance changes based on gas prices sometimes. So I have a feeling gas prices shot through the oh, roof man. and I haven't paid attention. My guess is it's up in the high 50s somewhere. That's just a guess, though. Um, you want to go look mm-hmm. it up and, and you do have right. to stay on top of it. It just does change throughout the year. We keep it updated in our we have a way in our software um, profit gauges to track your vehicle miles because it is deductible. So we explain to people in there here, just do the mileage and we keep that mileage number updated. So you don't even need to know it. All you do in profit gauge is just put in your total miles for the month and it calculates and we keep that updated. Right. So, but it, it is possible though. I mean, if it's going to be really low miles, I could basically put this in the business name and deduct everything you to could. Be, you know, depreciated insurance yes. and any repairs yes. or anything. I mean, that, that sounds like that would be a bigger deduction than if you have low mileage, mileage thing. Right. But if you then, have low mileage, then that, very, yeah, well, I, and the other thing is you don't have to decide this till the end of the year. Just keep track of everything both ways. Keep track of all your mileages. Keep track of all your receipts. And then at the end of the year, we can calculate which one we want to use. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. No, I I get (laughs) it. And that's was going to be my question. You already have three vehicles. Are you buying this primarily for a tax deduction or do you really need another vehicle? Um, I actually do need another okay. vehicle. I have vehicles, you know, because I own a truck, I have vehicles that said at each repair oh, yeah. facility no, that, that I take my I, truck to. I get it. So that, yep. so that when I drop it off, I have something to drive home. Yeah. Hey, I, um, I could help you yeah, with I'm, that I'm, though. It's really easy to install a hitch and a tow bar on your truck. Um, well, yeah, I suppose, but, uh, um, I used to have one. Yeah, I had a hitch. And, I had a hitch and a tow bar. Well, yeah, and and when I would go to the shop, I just hook up my car to the tow bar and off I'd go, and I didn't have to mess around with a ride. Oh well, yeah, I can see where that. Unfortunately, where I where I park my truck or where I have to like leave my trailer is is right pretty close to some of my p- repair facilities, but for me to have to. Um, I suppose I could drive home or one of my cars or just, yeah, I mean, logistically, I guess that would work. Um, but since I've already got the vehicles, um, what, no, but what I'm saying is why, why, why go spend another 6,000 now, three vehicles and a tow bar set up. I bet well, we could make this work. Well, yeah, I mean, you are correct, but the condition of my vehicles, none of them are in real good condition. So I need to buy something that is in, uh, I, I think I'm going to have to get rid of probably a couple of these cause okay. they're not going to pass inspection. So I need to buy something. Got yeah. It. So that, I that do need sense. to buy it. I'm not just yeah. spending money okay. for Right. Yeah. So, but thank you for your help. I appreciate that. And I'll just have to make the decision on uh, what I want to do as far as how I'm going to treat this. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, All right. Well, thank you, Kevin. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. All right. All of our phone lines cleared. If you want to jump in, now is your opportunity. 855-950-3835. Last couple weeks, phones have been just slammed. So it's uh, 
It's a quiet Monday right now. I suppose I will get started on my lesson for the day. I kind of skipped it at the beginning. Uh, I talked about the economy, talked about the possible rail strike, uh, mentioned driver appreciation week. I'm not going to go too deep into that. Um, Well, I'm going to hold off because I have calls coming in. So long as I have calls coming in, I'll continue to take the calls. The show is really all about what you want to talk about so we'll uh we'll continue getting to the calls and i'll stay here as long as you have something you want to talk about pick up the phone 855-950-3835 let's go to alberta grab this call ben welcome to the program hmm let me try that again and press the right buttons. Thought I did press it. There you are, Ben. Welcome. Yes. Hey, Kevin. How are you? Good. What's on your mind today? Um. So yeah, I was just uh, listening to your uh, yogurt talk there, and yeah, I'm kind of having the same issues. Very bad uh, separation on the Ruderai yogurt. Uh, and and were you having so successful like batches before that? Every single batch was perfect. Me too. That. Me too. And I've had, now I've had four batches bad altogether. Four. This is getting really frustrating. <laughs> same here. Exactly the same problem. And I have no yogurt exactly. to eat. I'm not sure what's going on. But my, uh, my uh, mood yogurt, like the, um, I'm not sure what the strain is called. Uh, that name is too long. I'm, I'm pulling out every batch that's perfect on that strain, but the Alruderai, every batch is a, a separation, it, and it's it's not really edible. No, it's so not. I started it's, a it's, new batch. It's not even like I can strain it and eat the solids because the solids are more like mozzarella cheese. Yeah, it's it's funny. I'm not sure what what it is, but I uh, I got a new. Uh, batch of england maybe i'll try that i i'm gonna order some today because i and then like i said i'm gonna clean everything really well i i really don't think i have any kind of contamination i work pretty clean anyway um i i don't know if inulin can go bad but it's so bizarre you know and i kind of knew i was starting with the l ruderi from from tablets again i knew that first batch wasn't going to really be edible so i thought I don't want to wait six days for yogurt, so I'm going to make a batch of the bomber. And that one is just, it, I haven't opened it yet to see, but I can see the separation in there, and it's bad. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, but anyways, uh, this is what I did. Um, I started a new batch. The first batch wasn't good, was the same separation. So I took the whey out of the first batch and started a second batch from my, like I uh, started with tablets. Then the second batch was good, just beautiful thick right. yogurt. And then the third batch wasn't good again. So uh, do you still yeah. keep using that whey? See, I don't know. That's the thing. I, I just got a bad batch of El Ruderai, but I know the first batch is always iffy anyway. So I'm thinking, should I just take some whey out of this one and make another one? 
but you know, after four failures, you want to kind of figure out what's going wrong. Yeah, I'm thinking that that ruler eye is very, very sticky. You know, you got to be really clean and you got to have perfect. Yeah, I I figured that too, but what happened to my bomber? Yeah. But but I can't see the inulin going bad because no, it's just starch basically. Uh, my, other, my other strain it comes out good. Yeah, I know. I don't really think it's the inulin, but I'm almost out anyway. So I do need to order some. So I think I'm just going to throw away what I have left. Order some new stuff. I don't think that's it, but I don't know what else to try. So the troubleshooting. If you don't know, you got to try something. So I'm going to try that. I don't yeah. think it's, it's you know, bacteria, So, but I'm going to clean everything. I've never sterilized anything. I, you know, I don't. I just grab, you know, jars out of the pantry, and I, I've just never had a problem. Yeah, the, the only thing that I do, I wash my jars with really hot water. Not yeah. so just hot water before I start. You know, I used to do that. I used to do that before I would can. And I just kind of got out of the habit of it. In canning, it's absolutely not necessary. If you are pressure canning, you don't have to sterilize anything. It's going to get sterilized during the canning process. Even if you're water bath canning, as long as it's more than 10 minutes, and almost everything has to be processed for more than 10 minutes. I know you used to read all the time during canning, you have to sterilize every no you don't you really don't it works just fine it's all gonna die in the canning process yogurt and fermented is different i mean we're starting with with live bacteria we're not doing anything to kill bacteria we're trying to grow it so maybe it is some sort of contaminant i don't know yeah i will keep the the other keep, thing uh, everything the other thing know, i generation and keep fine. yeah the other thing that that is always challenging for this. The The best yogurt I've ever made comes from using pure half and half A2 from Alexander Farms. That's the best yogurt. of. It always comes out really good. Well, I can't always get that. So sometimes then, like I said, I have to go to the Alexander Farms whole milk and then add heavy whipping cream. But the last several batches, the heavy whipping cream has been ultra high temperature pasteurized. And I thought it's only a little part of the whole thing. It shouldn't matter. And I don't think that it does matter. But I, until I figure it out, I don't know what this is. Yeah. But see, I'm in Canada, so I have I can't get access to that milk. But we have a good A2 brand up here. Good. And I've always been using the half and half. And if people want a if people want a recommendation, uh, definitely use the half and half. You can't beat that yogurt. Oh, it's, it's so rich and creamy. That's why I'm I'm jonesing because I haven't had it for a couple weeks. I'm craving it. Yeah. But hey, I have another quick question, if you don't mind. Sure, go ahead. Um, what do you recommend for for a small infant that has allergies? Allergies, dirty bad allergies. Um, new parents? Just kidding. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm going to say. And if the parents aren't open to radically changing that child's diet, then all bets are off. 
her the, the allergies are absolutely yeah. triggered, compounded, made worse by the diet. And with the standard American diet, this is common, and it's not going to resolve. There's no supplement. There's no magic food we can add to the diet. This is going to require, like all of us, we cannot eat the standard American diet and be healthy. You just can't do it. Yeah. Uh, She has very bad uh, allergies to, she's allergic to eggs. It doesn't matter. So it, it, it doesn't matter what the specific matter. allergies are. We just know that when somebody is this sensitive to food, their metabolism is a mess and their immune system is a mess. And the only way to fix it is to radically change the diet. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. How old? It's, um, is How it old? vaccine related? Say an infant. Yeah. Uh, that, the infant is two and a half. Yeah, this is a bad sign. Allergies at this stage, severe allergies at this stage, will, is this a male or female? Female. I can almost guarantee this child will have an autoimmune condition before they're 16. That's pretty, that's pretty sad, eh? It is. It is. But we can almost predict it. When, when the allergies hit that early, yeah, you can kind of predict this is going to be one of those horror stories. Yeah, it's not one of my uh, children, but yeah, I'm just asking since I yeah. had you on I, the, the The good news is we could fix talking. this in a heartbeat. The bad news is I can almost guarantee the parents aren't going to do it. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's like, like your show really keeps me motivated. Good. Because you, like Other Color was last week, he said... It's just, it's just, but once you get into the habit and it's a learning curve, you get it, you, you, you just switch to that lifestyle for a couple of years. And you and never want to go, go back. back exactly. Exactly. You, it, you know, I could, I could see, back, I could see where 30 year olds would try this. They lose some weight. They feel really good. And then they think they can go back to the standard American diet. Uh, when you start hitting your forties and fifties, you realize you can't. You absolutely can't. It's, there's going to be a bad outcome if you do. Um, so, it, you know, I, I remember eight years ago when we first started talking about keto and it was just nonstop. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Well, then we proved it worked. And then it was, it's not sustainable. It's not. Well, here we are eight years later. I think that's pretty sustainable. Uh, it's one of the first diets we've really seen that is actually sustainable. Yeah, and really carnivore is keto because I'm uh, yeah, I switched is. from ketogenic to carnivore, and I feel better on carnivore. I, I do and too. Everything is better on, on I, carnivore. I do too. Fermented, carnivore ish foods and carnivore. Yeah, fermented carnivore. Yeah. I, I, now I, you know, I've kind of got this down. Lots of meat, lots of fermented food, little bit of starch throughout the time to feed the gut bacteria. I think that is a really good human diet. And I think it probably mimics as close as possible how we ate as hunter-gatherers. I have a feeling almost everything we ate as hunter-gatherers was somewhat fermented. We didn't have refrigeration. We weren't washing and sanitizing stuff. There was bacteria everywhere. 
most of what we ate was probably in some stage of fermentation. Yes, exactly. Then I know this, this, this actually freaks people out, but you have to remember food was scarce. So you, you, didn't, you didn't get picky as a hunter-gatherer. Hunter-gatherers were known to eat the contents of the stomach of the animal, not the stomach itself. They ate that too, but they ate what was in the stomach, and most of the time that was very heavily fermented. See, and I'm only 33, and the reason I started this lifestyle was because I couldn't figure out what was wrong with my lower back. Yeah. I had to go to the chiropractor constantly. It was a constant trip to the chiropractor, and I had a very good chiropractor. I still go to him, I don't know, twice a year or something, but I don't have to go near as many times now because my lower back is resolved. Like, it's, you know, inflammation I, is all it was. I started going to a chiropractor when I was 13. I had to. I threw my neck out bad. Um, so I started going to a chiropractor and they, they fixed it, made it better. But I, I would go constantly. Every time I moved, I'd go find a new chiropractor. Um, my son, Michael, started going to a chiropractor when he was two. He threw his neck out when he was two. Uh, I've been going to chiropractors my whole life until the last eight years. I, I really, you know, and I would say, boy, I should go every, you know, a couple times a year just to get adjusted. And I think, why? I, I, I don't have any neck pain. Mine was never back. Mine was always neck. I don't have any neck pain anymore. I don't get headaches from those neck pains that I used to get. I, so I haven't been to the chiropractor in years. I'm trying to remember the last time I did go. I think I actually injured my back doing something, which is unusual. First time in my life I've ever injured my back. And I went to the chiropractor. Two weeks later, all the pain was gone. I've never gone back. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's just the same same way with me. I just quit going because I, 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 I don't, don't need, need it. to go anymore. <laughs> right, right. Why and go if I'm not hurting? I can't believe it was so simple. Just, just because of listening to you and you keeping me motivated. And it's just... Good. Like, it's just amazing how this how this diet works and Excellent. lifestyle. Excellent. Good. Well, I'm glad to hear you 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 uh, adopted this in your 30s. That's awesome. I didn't start till my 50s, and I love the fact that we have kids starting this now. Not enough, not nearly enough, but uh, we'll take what we can get. Let's go to New York. Phone calls have piled up now, so it's going to take me an hour to get through them all. Uh, Bob, welcome. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you for everything you do. Hey, Bob, if you um, could come closer to your phone or maybe turn up your headset or something. You sound really quiet. Yeah, Kevin and uh, Mike were talking about that the other day, so I, I just turned it off. Okay. Is that, okay. That's better. Um, and I, we're on the subject of personal. I, I can turn you up or, some on the board, so go ahead. Okay. Um you were talking about personal vehicles and deductions for taxes and stuff like that. Now I have a pickup truck that my wife kind of forced me to get, um, for running my parts, being the greasy and all that good stuff. Um, am I allowed to claim repairs on that vehicle? Were you listening to the last call? You have two methods. You decide on a method, okay. either real expense or straight the mileage. 
Those are the two methods. So if you chose mileage, then no, you won't deduct the actual repair. You just deduct the mileage allowance. If you choose okay. real expenses, then yes, you keep all the receipts. You deduct repairs, insurance, gas, Thank you. all I, of it. Yeah. I, yeah. I just wanted a clarification on that because I wasn't sure. Yeah. You know, with the mileage, if I could do the, the parts and stuff. No. Okay. Thank you not, very much I, for your time. That, 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 the way you said that, I want to make sure we're clear. You said with the mileage, can I deduct parts? No. Mileage is mileage. That's it. Then there are right. no Correct. receipts, repairs. Yep. Now, without trying to get too confusing, I do want to throw in a couple of exceptions, just so everybody understands. When you do mileage, mileage accounts for things like depreciation, repairs, insurance, gas, all of those things. The, the, there are two things that come to mind that you can add on top of the mileage allowance. Now, if you're taking actual expenses, you would take these things as real expenses. But if you're taking mileage, there are two exceptions that you can add on top of your mileage. And once you know what they are, it actually makes sense. Uh, it's tolls and parking. Parking, hey, you know, some people okay. will go forever and never have parking or tolls, so they don't build that into the allowance. But if you spend money on parking for that vehicle or tolls, you can add those expenses on top of your mileage allowance. Okay, got it. All right, sir. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's go to... Texas this time. Fred, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Good morning again. What's on your mind today? I uh, had some really good numbers this weekend. Um, hey. I didn't get, I only did two days of the protocol. You know, calling and bragging about uh, your Friday sleep ran is going to really, piss me off at some point. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I know, I know it is. You have, I it is. actually, I love seeing uh, it. I really do, because I think to myself, look, at this age, this, people still can sleep good, so maybe I'll get this figured out. Well, I, um, someone posted on one of my, one of my uh, someone you know, wrote on one of my posts about overnight stress. Do you have any issues with that? Me? Or have you been looking at any of that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you I personally. Look at it. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, almost, okay. almost, not always, not a perfect correlation, but almost every time you don't build body battery back, it's because you were stressed while you're sleeping. Here's the other thing, and I, I think we can see this somewhat in yours. You have awesome sleep numbers. I mean, high 80s. I have very few people get to those kind of numbers. Right. I saw one the other day. You actually posted seven, I, I may get, be getting a couple of mixed up, but I think it was over seven hours of sleep. On the awake, zero minutes. That's almost unheard yes. of. Yes, that was, that was Friday night. Um, I, was, I had a very long day. I actually had to make a U-turn in a rail yard, almost like a straight job with my spread axle 48 for flatbed. So <laughs> it was a long, a little stressful and, and, uh, I mean, I didn't tear anything up. Thank God I took my time. Um, but, uh, when I got done, I went to eat with my wife and I said, I'm just gonna, just gonna set no alarm. And my wife was actually up a little early. So it was one of those, 
I slept until she woke up. Yeah, um, the, not not one minute of awake time during all of that sleep, which is pretty incredible. But here's the interesting yeah, thing, and uh, this is where this is where we're going to learn. You have awesome sleep scores, but your body battery does not get back to a hundred all that often. No, it, I haven't. I haven't seen a hundred yet. Okay, now, I, I, I was wondering. I didn't battery, think, I think you I've did. Seen was eighty five. Yeah, was eighty five, so, and I think. Sunday morning when I woke up, I was 84 or 86. So there's no so doubt in my mind. There yet. There's no doubt in my mind that sleep is important. And sleep would help with a lot right. of these issues around body battery. But you're a great example of sleep isn't everything. No matter how good your sleep is. Right. And I still believe that we're not measuring sleep as accurately as we could. I, I just think there's still so much about sleep we don't understand. So the interesting right. thing I'm, I, I want to see as you continue to do this, I want to see your HRV number come up, and I want to see you get to the point where you okay. can get to 100 on your body battery. Right, right. And that's, uh, you know, I've been neglecting the breathing during the week, um, it's just one of those things I, I don't have in a routine yet. Right. So I've been neglecting it as far as, you know, I don't do it when I wake up, when I wake up, I go in, you know, either take a shower and get ready for the day when I'm on the road. And when I go to sleep, sometimes I just kind of read and then I just, I'm laying down. I just kind of shut the book and go to sleep. Yeah. Um, so I have to, I have to put the sleep, the, the breathing into my routine, um, every day. Yes. Um, I uh, I went back in and looked at a couple of videos this weekend with James Nestor, the the the, the, the breathe uh, the breath uh, book. Yeah. Um, yep. And his his I was trying to tell my wife this because she has a lot of interrupted sleep throughout the night. Um, so I told her I said you should really I said I'm not telling you you need to do the blanket and every crazy thing that I'm doing because she thinks it's crazy. Um, <laughs> I said, I said, but I said, the breathing really helps. And I said, if you don't want, I says, you're, you know, go in the room by yourself and, and figure it out during the week when I'm not around. So, yeah. you know, you don't think yeah. I'm, I can say, I told you so or anything <laughs> like that craziness. I said, but I said, I, and I was talking to her this morning cause she got, she woke up at 1130 last night and couldn't go back to sleep till three. Yeah. And yeah, I'm like, I'm like, well, try this, James. I, that's what I did. I looked at the James Nestor uh, this morning, and he has that uh, four, seven, eight routine where you breathe in for four seconds, hold it for seven, and breathe out. Correct for eight. Right. And and that that he says two things. It'll also it slows your heart rate down, so it's good for anxiety. And it's also good to relax the body. So I told her, I says, why don't you try to do some of this stuff prior to going to sleep? Get off your phone and just do this consciously, you know, because uh, she's on the phone all the time. Yeah. So yeah. Well, and that's uh, part of the problem. On, the phone, on social media, she's on the that's phone. That's part of the problem. She's on the phone doing some kind of game or something like that. So, social media and um, our devices um, are destroying our sleep. Oh, a hundred percent. I. Normally, well, now I'm on the phone during the weekend, but normally on the weekend, I set it on my table, my nightstand, face down, and leave it there all weekend. Now I'm I, on it because I'm trying to gauge gauge the, the oh, yeah, right. you know, and answer yeah. some questions if I can yeah. um, now, for, while I'm posting stuff. 
for the uh, most part on the weekends, I my also, phone I my also, phone goes dead because I do the same thing. It gets right. it gets plopped down somewhere, and I forget about it for the whole weekend. Yeah, and I used to do that until recently, since I started tracking these numbers. Um, I also I also wanted people to see what kind of stress I'm putting myself through through the breathing, the blanket, and the X three. Right. So I posted that stress numbers Sunday morning as well. I want to. I didn't look at those. I want to see right that. after. Yeah. Now I never got to a hundred, but I did get up in the high eighties and nineties throughout okay. that little cycle of good whatever it was, half an hour, forty five minutes. Um, last night, I I uh, I got busy. I went. I was in the pool yesterday. I had a great body battery. I really kind of overworked myself. Then I stayed up late prepping food for the week. And uh, I actually set my clock early this morning to get up because I was finishing my second batch of yogurt, which I wanted to get into. Um, now, when I did the yogurt back about a year and a half ago, I was doing it in a um, Instapot. I didn't realize we needed to have a certain temperature. So I was getting yogurt for probably none of the benefits. Okay. I was doing the El Ruderai. So you know, when, it, I, it, when I realized it, that we needed to, to be into a certain... Right. Well, I'm yeah. just going to chalk it up. It was good tasting. There you and go. I was using goat's milk at the time. I was using goat's milk at the time, so I didn't want to get the, the... But then we... you know, As you progressed with it, I, I was following it. So I just did a batch two weeks ago, and then I did a second batch uh, last week, uh, this, this weekend. So... The first batch came out uh, kind of a cottage cheese consistency. Yeah. Pretty common um, on the first batch. And I still ate it. I still ate it. I, what I did Good. was I make, I crushed some strawberries in it, and I still used it. I still ate it, and I, I have some with me now. The second batch, I didn't measure. Um, I measured the, the inulin, and what I did was I found this really good uh, milk. I posted on the on the site, it's, um, forget the name of the brand, but they're from, uh, uh, Iowa and it's low pastured, non-homogenized Excellent. milk. Um, yeah. And so I used this, this batch here, I kind of put a half a pint of whey in there from the first batch. Mm-hmm. I also did about a half a gallon of regular vit- the vitamin D milk, uh, full-fat milk, and I, the rest of it was heavy cream. Okay. So mostly like a half and half, maybe a little yeah. little towards the... And it's the same, same company for the heavy cream. Okay. And when I dumped it out this morning, I got up at 4 o'clock, um, and I dumped it out into the strainer this morning, it looked a lot more like yogurt. Good. Now, there was still Good. a little yeah. clumps in it, but Each, I don't know if that was, you know, and that's okay. Each batch on the El Ruderai gets better. About the fourth or fifth, it gets super thick and creamy, and it stays that way until it doesn't, and that's where I am now. Something has gone wrong. I haven't figured it right. out. Now, I've been making the yogurt for over a year. Maybe you should put more more bacteria in it. I tried that, and, and here's the so thing. That's what I did. Yeah, okay. it, I, I was just I about know. to say I never measure my way. You know, it's like three tablespoons per quart or two or whatever it is. I, right. I, you can never put too much, 
So I don't ever worry about that. I, I right, put plenty I in there because you, you can't put too much. So I don't worry about that. So that's not right. my issue. Uh, but that's good thinking. Uh, but I, I put a ton of starter in there already. Now, when I just did the new batch starting from tablets, I did use the 10 tablets, just like the recipe says. And um, I realized afterwards right. I put three tablespoons of inulin in there and you're only supposed to have two. But I, I kind of doubt that an extra tablespoon of inulin is causing the problem. Well, another thing I noticed, I have that, that Wankel uh, uh, survey. For, I bought it specifically for the yogurt because it has a bottom discharge, a bottom insert and a bottom discharge for the water. Yeah. And the one I use normally is the Breville, the Jule Breville or the Jule Breville. Yeah. That one has a, a discharge really high on it. So I use that when I do my eggs and stuff like that in the souvé. Um, and that has an app and a timer. The other one is kind of more manually operated, right? You set right. the time, you set the timer. And I, I noticed I had it set for 100.6 last time. This time I set it for 100.2, and I was only getting the water up to 99. So about 12 hours into it, I raised it up, and I got the temperature back to 101, 100.1, yeah. which was I thought was a good... I don't know, maybe the 99, because last week it was maybe that might have had something to do with it. I don't, I've never even tested my temperature. I kind of figure, you know, how do I know that the thermometer I'm using is any more accurate than what the sous vide is reading? So I've never really tried to check right, water temperature, a, but I've never had a problem before. Yeah, I have an instant, you know, for the grill. So I grilled the steak, and when I came in, I just said, you know, I'm going to dunk it in there and see what it's doing. And it was 99.3, and I'm like, well, let me jack it up yeah. a little bit. Then I got it to 101, 100.1. Yeah. You know, here's you the know, thing. So. Here's the thing. I have to believe at 99 degrees, it's going to culture. Maybe not, I you know, so. maybe you get, you know, a million less CFUs. But we're talking about hundreds of right. billions. So if I have a couple million less because my temperature was a little cool, I don't think it's any big deal. I would have to believe that it would probably right. culture at 95 degrees, just not as well. So I, I, I don't think right. it's a right. temperature variance that would screw up the whole batch. Now, if you made a mistake of culturing your El Ruderai at 109 like some of the other yogurts, that could destroy your whole batch. Too hot, I could see, right. just kills the bacteria and you have no yogurt whatsoever. Uh, well, would, would it be would it be if it's too light? Maybe that's why you're getting the the clumping. I'm, I, I don't know. I'm I don't know to, either. You know, I don't I'm know either. I'm gonna, I know. I'm going to go work you know? on it after the show today because I want some yogurt. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. So, um, but that's all I had. Like today, well, I only had five hours. I mean, I good. Of course, my sleep is good, but I had five, maybe and a half or something like that. I think it was. But my body, my body battery today was only up to a 46. Uh, I think that's what mine started out this morning, 46. I'm in a horrible sleep cycle again. My sleep was getting better. My yeah. HRV was yeah. getting better. And here's what happened. I took on too much. So now on top of the protocol, which yeah. was working really well, every day my numbers were getting a little better. But then I started the wing foiling 
which is really physical right now because I don't know what the hell I'm doing and it's really stressful. So that's really taking kind of a toll. And I'm, you know, I, I mentioned the other day that uh, Lisa and I decided instead of looking for a new coach, we're just going to redo this one. It's just time. I like it. I don't want to get rid of it. Um, I didn't want to spend this much money. Some of this stuff gets really expensive, but I would spend far more if I went and got a new coach. So then we started looking at all the stuff we want to redo. And I decided I should just do the stuff that I can do fairly easily. I mean, there really isn't much I couldn't do if I really wanted to. It's just a lot of work, a lot of time. I'm not really set up for it. But so I'm going to do... I said, thought it was smaller stuff. So I wanted to replace the interior lights, the interior lights on this thing. I have hated them from day one. They're those low voltage lights where you have the light bulbs that are those two stupid little wire prongs. I hate those things. They're hard to put in. They you, I, I'll, I would spend two hours going through the whole coach, making sure every light works and at the end of the day, I'd have three more not working again because just a little bit of vibration and those things yeah. stop working. And a connection to yeah, change connection, the bulb yeah. was like multiple steps. There's a trim ring that has to come off, and it doesn't always come off easy. Um, then there's a you got to take some screws off to get a light cover off. Then you have to pop another light cover off, and then you can finally get to the bulb. And they're constantly going out. I should have replaced these the first year I bought the damn thing. So I decided I'm going to redo the lights. Not that big of a job, except it is a really big job. That coach has 58 interior lights and they're all on an, on a, uh, like a ceiling. They're all up above you. They're either right. under cabinets. So you got to kind of lay under the cabinets and work on them or they're on the ceiling and you're working over your head the whole time. And I've got to rewire these. Yeah, I've got to put new clamps tiring. on them. Actually, I found this killer light that I absolutely love. It's an LED. It's touch activated. It'll turn blue. You can dim them. I, it, they're really cool lights. I just couldn't get them to fit exactly right. I was trying everything. Then I had an idea. Um, last year, I got Lisa Glowforge for Christmas. Have you ever seen those? No, what's that? It's a laser cutter. It looks like a giant. Remember the old wide format printers? Like they used to print spreadsheets on them? Right. That's what it looks like. It's about that size, got a glass top, but it's a laser cutter. And it comes with software. This, it'll cut leather. It'll cut wood up to a half inch, thick wood. Quarter inch in one pass, half inch you have to do two passes. Uh, It'll cut acrylics. Um, all different kinds of woods, leather. So I got looking at this light. And I'm like, oh, you know what? I bet if Lisa would make me a ring um, out of acrylic that I could make this light work. So we screwed around with it all day. Yes. I mean, we were down to, we got so precise with the size and the laser cuts so accurately we were able to cut a piece of acrylic that would snap into the old base. Like we didn't have to screw it or glue it or anything. Wow. We got it to where it would snap in there and then you can just pop it back out, 
with so I had her make these templates, but 58 lights over your head. I've taken them down and reworked them a couple times wow. till I got it exactly right. And I have been so sore, my upper shoulders, my neck, because you're looking up the whole time, working up over your head. So between the protocol, the wing foiling, and the stupid project, and the garden is kicking my ass right now. I spent like four hours yesterday just trying to retie up tomato plants because we had horrendous winds that were ripping everything apart. So between all of that, I've been sore and just not sleeping good at all. Last night was like three hours and 20 minutes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 I, I, I've had those nights, but only, uh, only because I, I didn't, I didn't actively try to sleep, but my three, I, I uh, my wife's like, you know, always, I have a real quick, funny, we're having coffee Sunday morning. And I come out and I said, you know, I had good sleep last night. She says, you always have good sleep, <laughs> goddammit, you know, type of thing. And so I said, look, my body battery is 82. By the end of the coffee, I was down to like 79. She says, look, she says, every wife takes a life. Your wife is taking the life right out of you. I started laughing. <laughs> yeah, that I is said, That's what you women that, do to us. That's I right. Said, when I, I said, when I married you, I, I had a 32-inch waist. I had hair like a lion. Man, look at me now. I'm a broken-down shoe, I told her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I figured out what takes the life right out of you. Life takes the life right out of you. Yes. You're right. You're yeah. right. But my HRV, um, my seven-day, if I could pull it up real quick on the phone here, um, happens to be in the 30s, I believe, 32 or 34. Okay. Um, that's the, uh, that's why. Because it's on here now. That, that's 31, why. 31. That's, that's the that's explanation. My, that's my seven-day average. That's the explanation yeah. of why you can sleep so good with such scores but not get your body battery back to 100. That's why. Your HRV is low. Yeah. Right, right. So, I mean, I have, I have had... 40 in the 40s i've had I've, I've even had a few days where i was in the 50s waking up that might and may correlate to my body battery being very good i should look into that um a little better it usually but I does i think with the with the protocol if i think with the protocol if i can um if i can just keep on it and also get some of the breathing incorporated with my week it might help my help, might help me as well I don't know. It will definitely be there you go. Keeping it up. All right. So sounds good. We'll uh, lo- right, we'll sir. look forward to the next report. Let's go to Illinois. Brandy, welcome to the program. Kevin, I have a friend that I kind of want to stay around a little longer, so I've been investing in her health. I got her on Cardio Miracle. I keep asking her, do you notice any differences? But the, the, the one that always she complains about is the creepy crawly in her leg. It keeps her up at night, taking some kind of medication to make me sleep. And when I called, uh, Brittany said, probably life balance. So I'm just trying to make her life longer and better. Yeah, uh, so what we're talking about here... Um the official term is RLS, restless leg syndrome, and a lot of people um, do suffer from this now. Um, it can be um, partially a mineral imbalance. What we do tend to find, though, is this is very, very common when 
um, somebody is eating the standard American diet. Many people, in fact, most, almost every case I can think of resolved with diet alone. I agree. How, I, how old is, how old is your friend? She's in her 70s. Okay. Uh, the reason I ask, sure how, the reason I but, ask is there actually are two yeah. different forms of RL, RLS we see. If it shows up before somebody is 45, tends to run in the family. We haven't found the genetic link yet. If there is one, there may not be a genetic link, but it does happen to run in families when it shows up before 45 and it gets worse over time. Usually if it shows up after 45, it doesn't get worse. It stays the same. It doesn't go away unless you do something to make it go away, but it doesn't get worse. Um, It doesn't require medication. There are some things that can absolutely help. Um, There are some things that are risk factors. Um, We would check iron levels. Um, Low iron levels can can cause a problem. Um, Chronic kidney failure, which a lot of people have, and we just treat it like it's normal. We see that go hand in hand with this. Um, Diabetes and rheumatoid arthritis, both. Um, Celiacs have this a lot. And then there are some uh, medications that make it worse. Antidepressants, antipsychotics, antihistamines, and calcium channel blockers uh, can make this worse. So um, good sleep hygiene, um, no alcohol and tobacco, um, and, but the real key here, like everything else, is the diet. Eat a paleo-based diet, this tends to go away. Yeah. I agree. It's trying to get people to... I know. When you have the knowledge that you, you present and nobody wants to... I know. To you, and you're hearing you say, but I'm telling you, this will work. <laughs> yeah, just try it. <laughs> prove me wrong. Do it for 30 days and well, prove me the wrong. The, the testimonies alone. I know. Say it. I know. And I I could go find you. Yeah, I could go find you at least 10 testimonials that were about restless leg syndrome, and it just disappeared for people. Yeah. Well, like I said, I'm investing in it little by little. Good, good. You know, trial and error. There you go. And uh, that's all my question. Thank you, Kevin. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Pennsylvania. Joe, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. What's on your mind today? Hey, Kevin. Uh, just calling to check with you. Uh, I have a 2011 uh, Freightliner Coronado. I did it as a uh, as a glider. I have the uh, the 127 Detroit. I've got 1.2 million miles on it. Um, I'm considering uh, doing the OPS on it. Okay. Um, you know, just looking at you know, the price of oil. I've been to Pittsburgh Power, did the, uh, I had the fleet air filter. I did the uh, new turbo there. I did a ceramic manifold. Oh, good. Um, good. Yeah, the OPS, just one of those things I've, I've thought about doing. Um, You'll the love only it. thing I, it, it's a little weird for the truck is I have, a, I have an Allison automatic on it. Wow. Yeah, that is unusual. Um, yeah, I just, so I blew my back out. Uh, when I was probably like 23, I got into, uh, when I got into driving, I kind of, I started off at RPS in a, in a package van, went to, uh, 
Robert's Express doing expedited and I've been doing expedited ever since. So we, okay. the, the first truck I got for some reason, it had the Allison. Uh, they talked me into the Allison because I was wondering about my back and stuff. Never really had any serious issues. And honestly, I've done the Allison through like four trucks now. I've, I've sold the truck so, before I've ever turned it in, you know? So let me ask you this. When you put an Allison in a truck, what's the cost? So it was a difference of about uh, $12,000, I think, but never had to do a clutch. I've never, I, I run four of them over, I've run two of them over a million. Uh, the other ones were, uh, so I did an, an MD, uh, Freightliner, so, uh, the, the medium duty. Okay. Go ahead. So, yeah, I was just going to say, just thinking, you know, math and numbers here, 12000 is a big upcharge. Um, and we know that these things are hard on fuel economy. They do not get good fuel economy. I, my guess is you could be losing three to five tons. So I, uh, I, so I have a, I am set up as an expediter. I have a 23 foot box on the, on the unit. Um, we have a, uh, a carrier reefer on, uh, right on the truck. So we, uh, I suck right out of my main fuel tank Okay. and I stay around, uh, I stay around, so my fuel mileage that I figure out with the reefer sucking out of there, I stay around 7.7 seven to 7.8 uh, is a normal week. What's your total um, weight? So, yeah, uh, total weight on the truck, is, the truck itself with everything weighs 24.5. And then what, what, what's your typical cargo? one to two pallets. We really don't haul any weight. The truck doesn't, you know, from, you know, for a classic yeah. truck, it, 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 that, it that, doesn't work. That's what I thought. So seven high seven sounds good. Cause we're all used to talking about class eight trucks pulling 80,000 pounds, but to give you another example, right. the, the glider that I built the, well, no, that wasn't a glider. The Volvo that I built, the last one I pulled our toy hauler oh. with, we were pulling a 43 foot toy hauler. We had, we were way overweight on everything. Um, I used to tear up wheel bearings and axle springs because we were always overweight on that thing. Um, there were times we were uh, we were touching 13 miles to the gallon. 11, right. I could hit on a 30-day average. So there is a lot of room for improvement in fuel economy on your trucks. And I think the biggest change you could make was is to move away from the Allisons. Why not just have a two-pedal auto shift? Uh, which, so I couldn't, have, so I mean, the, I did this truck, uh, I, I did it new for myself back in 2011. Um, yeah, so I probably could have at that point, I mean, we were still having, you know, that's when you were having the problems with the engine and the, right, yeah. the, uh, the emissions and stuff. So I, I stayed with that. Um, and there were still enough issues, not so much the issues with the two pedal as much as the truck and stuff. Um, I, I just, I just stayed with it and yeah, I probably could have, I mean, a lot of the guys uh, do what we do now. They, uh, they run the uh, the two pedal yeah. auto shift, and they have the uh, they're they're probably up around eleven uh, eleven yeah, plus I, with I, you I, know I, without trying. Yeah, know? I was just gonna say after learning more about the operation and the kind of weights, I said you might pick up three to five tenths. I was thinking a class eight. You may pick up two full miles to the yeah. gallon. Yeah, and I really didn't. Uh, I really didn't think of the problem being the Allison too much. You know, earlier oh, it on, is. you know, just where, where the mileage was. Yeah, yes, there's. It is. I mean, it's, well, it's it, one of the reasons why I struggle with fuel economy on my coach. 
Hell, I have a C-13. I know how to get good fuel economy. The coach has great aerodynamics. I mean, honestly, when you think about it, there's Mm -hmm. not bad aerodynamics at all. Um, I don't have a gap to deal with like we do on a tractor trailer. Sure, I've got a big flat front, but once the wind gets past that, there's almost no other real obstructions to speak of. It's a pretty smooth. And I struggle, struggle to get six. I mean, I put my trailer on there. There are times I get four and a half. I mean, it's awful. But a big part of it is that crazy driveline. That Allison, not only is it inefficient in every gear, that's also technically what we would call a triple overdrive. The final ratio in that overdrive on a lot of those is like 0.6 something. That's right. a horrible yeah, when I, when I mechanical had it power, dif- disadvantage. The, uh, what we're doing there is, yep. you know, if we go underdrive, that's a torque multiplier. But when we go overdrive, that's a torque reducer. We lose torque, mm-hmm. which means the engine has to work harder in those gears, and that's what kills our economy. Yeah, the, the Allisons. Now, I know they came out with that 10-speed Allison, and they made a big deal out of it, said it was going to be more fuel efficient than any of the transmissions on the market. I don't know if it is or not. It didn't catch on enough. Nobody's running them. I, so it's hard to get numbers on right, that. Right, I, I think that was the price, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah and they're heavy. And, uh, um, the, well, they used to be. I yep. haven't checked that. But I think you, there's a significant weight difference between – you know, that 10-speed Allison and, say, our new 12-speed or 13- and 14-speed generation, you know, the, the smart transmissions. So I, I, I don't know. Unless Allison can truly figure out how to get past the weight and cost issue, I just don't think they're ever going to compete with the auto shifts. Yeah, it doesn't. Uh, since the Because, I mean, I did it before the auto shifts even came out, right. and they uh, – you know, I think that I think the technology caught up and passed. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm even and, uh, honestly, I'm even wondering why the coach manufacturers don't catch on to this. They've always put the right. Allison in there because they wanted a super smooth shift. Well, these new smart transmissions right. shift just as smooth as that Allison does. Right, and I uh, yeah, prior uh, I was going to say prior to. I'm trying to think of how long this was. So it was actually over 10 years ago, the previous truck, right? We had, we okay. had broke down and we had, uh, we had done a rental and we had the two shift and, and it was a pretty hard shift and everything else. And I did like the Allison compared to that. Yeah, there's um, no doubt, but they, know, but they I mean, the really one, improved yeah, I'm, I'm that sure. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So anyway, so basically my question was, so I have a, so I have the 12, seven, I have 1.2 miles on that. Um, like I say, we do the expediting. We're probably down to, we, we don't really do over a hundred thousand miles a year. My wife drives a uh, team with me. Okay. Uh, you know, we don't have a hard operation, but I am thinking about just putting the OPS on there for the, I mean, I have the 12, I seven, would. Absolutely. Uh, 1.2. I, I, yeah, I don't use that. I don't use any oil at this point. That's I mean, the, tr- the truck is, wow. you know, it's, it's easy. Yeah. That's awesome. So, so the, if I do the OPS, now, if I do the OPS, uh, go, go straight to synthetic. I would. If you're not burning any oil, yeah, I would go right to synthetic. And I'd go with Rotella synthetic. Okay. All right. And so I did this as a, I did this as a factory Rayman uh, Detroit uh, when I did the glider. So, I mean, I, when I, I did bearings back at like 800,000. Um, so they did, were standard size bearings. I didn't have to do the oversize or anything. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you didn't have to do oversize. Did they even show anywhere? 
No, not really. I I, it was so. one of those things I've just done it long enough. Uh, I, I just did just did the old school, right. you know, uh, replace the bearings. Um, you know, it didn't need to be done at that point. But uh, so we've done them. I've done the I've done the injectors. Like I said, I'm, now, I'm just thinking about just doing the OPS and just seeing how to ride it out. What What do you think? I mean, w- without using oil, I mean, that, how far do you know a lot of the guys get with the before you have to do a? Can you can do a reman on that, right? You could, but I wouldn't. Or like a like a in frame. I mean, right. yeah, no, so, I, I'm not planning on it now. Right. So when we talk about doing an in frame, really the problem we're solving, the reason we do the in frame is strictly oil consumption. That's the only reason we do it. There's no other reason. So when those cylinder kits start to wear out, we lose the crosshatch, start burning oil. That's why we do it. So now that we have these, right. now it's we have new materials to make the rings out of. They're, they use different techniques to build, the, to, to make the rings. Um, the, we're now seeing diesel engines that just don't burn oil anymore. I mean, it, that's, right. to me, it's bizarre. Brand new diesel engines, we used to figure you're going to burn a gallon every 15,000 miles. That was just standard. Then, then as they mm-hmm. wore out, it got worse and worse. When it got down to about 3,000 miles a gallon, we'd say, let's do the in-frame. Now we're telling people, don't, right. don't do an in-frame. It's not going to do you a bit of good. You're going to spend $20,000 and not improve anything. We could make things worse, honestly. Um, so no, don't do it. How long is the engine going to last? I have no idea. None. Sure. I, I, now, the one thing we do know the longer we run these engines, you know, rebuild them, run them longer. They're not burning oil, so we're running them even longer. The odds of a catastrophic failure go up. It just does. But, sure. but you know, we had, we were tracking two N14s that were at 2 million miles and hadn't been rebuilt. Right. It's possible. And like I said, we really might do up- that. I don't know. Right, we're only putting like a hundred thousand miles on it now. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to keep it for as long as I can at this yeah. point. I mean, you just, you know, that, that's where you make your money, keeping the truck as long as you can. Right. Right. So, you know, we're, we're going to stay with it. And I just wasn't sure, you know, about down the road. I mean, I'm sure I'll get five more years out of it. I'm, I'm going to get it back over to Pittsburgh power. Now I, I'm due for the, uh, for the overhead again. So I figured while I was in there, I would do that, do the, uh, do the OPS and just yeah. see where I, you know, see where I got to. Yep. I think you'll be all so, set. Okay. All right, uh, two more quick things for you. So sure. the, my wife, we were doing the cardio miracle. Okay. And so the only thing we thought about the cardio miracle was the sweetness of it, like that. The uh, I it, can it fix that. Like, uh, uh, so we did. We fixed it with lemon juice. Oh, perfect, perfect. The other thing that'll fix we it, and a, it tastes a, really good. Okay. Apple cider vinegar. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess the acidic, right? We either way would do it. And apple cider vinegar is probiotic. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay, we now can, we give my, just, my my wife's a vinegar freak anyway. So yeah, and I stuff. know I probably don't have to say this for most people, but when I say apple cider vinegar, I mean raw, unfiltered, not the Heinz stuff you see in the grocery yeah. store. You can see through it. That just for the people who right. may be new, uh, raw, unfiltered apple cider vinegar with the mother—they call it—that's the probiotic part. So yeah, you can kind of right. kill that sweetness a little bit and also get probiotics. Okay. Yeah. Cause I like, I had done, we had we, I had stones a few years ago and I got off of the, uh, Oh, we did the, uh, the calcium supplements, the stuff oh, yeah. for like the aching yeah. joints and stuff like that. 
So we got got away from all that, but I had a, I had a I got a stone. We were pretty sure it was from that stuff. I dropped all that. I did a little lemon juice for a while just to yep. uh, put the acidity uh, back right. in the body, and I I lost all the stone stuff. And so we had done that, and then we started the cardio miracle. I'm like, let's put the lemon juice in there, and it, it took away that sweetness, and it perfect was, made yep. made it a lot more drinkable for us. Yeah. So, now, all he, right, uh, one more quick hit. Yeah, the, go uh, ahead. Thing, uh, yeah. Uh, the only other thing I was going to ask you about was, uh, or not even ask you about, was let you know I, you talked about the, those uh, those SBA loans that have come out in the past. Yes, uh, from the from the PPP loans. So we had gotten one. I did a new uh, a new box and reefer with ours, and I put it out there. But they, uh, when they put those loans on the payments on hold, they stopped sending out uh, monthly statements. So you haven't seen a so, monthly statement from those for two years because the, the, the statements are, their no, payments no, are still on hold. No, wait, I'd wait, gone let, in, let's qu- clarify something. Are you talking about a PPP loan or an idle loan? So it was the idle, uh, so it was the PPP loan we got initially. Then they sent right. us the information that says you qualify for the idle loan, the, uh, the SBA loan at 3%. Right. So uh, the reason I'm asking is because your, your PPP loan should have been forgiven. You should have applied for forgiveness we on did. that. We, okay. So, no, we got that. We got we got forgiveness on the PPP loan. So we are talking so, about the payments a, for the idle loan then. Okay. Got it. Yes, sir. So the, so they had, since they froze those payments, we didn't get a statement in the mail for you know a year and a half, two years, almost two years. Right. Um, with the payments frozen. So I had gone online and I had looked at that. And, you know, it's one of those things just out of sight, out of mind. I, I knew better, you know, as everybody does. I mean, you know, you have a loan, you know, you're yeah, right. the interest. Yeah. So we had looked at it, but for, for like 18 months of that being on hold, we'd only taken like, we'd taken like a $60,000 loan and we were at like $5,200 in interest on that, on that loan that you want, unless you actually really paid attention and logged in to find it, you know, you weren't sure how much right. you were accruing. Right. You know, as far as the interest loan. So, I mean, a lot of people are going to be surprised that they haven't looked at that loan at how much they are accruing. So we, you know, we'd actually use the money for a boxing resource. So I would have had to borrow it or done something anyway. Right. Um, right. But I, and I got this was, at that. We saw how much it is. Yeah. This was the best deal you could get, but you really don't want, even if the government lets you keep putting off payments, you really don't want to. Sure. Right. So we, well, we actually, once I saw how much I'd accrued on there, we'd done good enough over the last couple of years that I just, we just paid it off. Good, good. Because it was, I was, you know, it was, it was just, it was one of those things you weren't paying attention to because you weren't getting the statements. Exactly. And, right. you know, I don't know what they're going to do, you know, come November, I don't know what they're going to do again. So I just looked at my wife and we just pulled it out of savings and we, we just paid it off because it was, it good. was just ridiculous. But I mean, if people aren't looking at it, that, that money's, that money's accruing. <laughs> yes. Good. So, okay, that's all I had for you. All right, that's all I need. Thanks for the call. Let's uh, let's grab another one here. We're going to head off to Kansas. Tim, welcome to the program. Hello, Kevin. How are you today? Good. What can I help you with? Well, I just purchased uh, Garmin Instinct 2 Diesel. Excellent. Smartwatch. All right. And it was the... Uh, the one, I picked it up out of a Love's truck style. Oh, you're killing me, man. And <laughs> That's all right. Well, they like, had a pretty good deal I know, on it. I'm sorry. I know. And I, I, had quite a, I had quite a few Love points, that, too. That's, so that's the thing. I tell people, abs- yeah, absolutely use your points, no doubt. But I am curious, is the version that you have, does that? 
specifically have your Kevin Rutherford uh, workout on it? Yes. Because I do not see it on this, or is that so an app that it's I have an app. to add? Yeah, it's an app. It's an app. Yeah, there's two apps you can use with the Garmin watch, the diesel. You use the Garmin Connect, which is all the basic HRV, heart rate, sleep, all that stuff we talk about. Then the second app, and I just drew a blank on the name of it. It's got truck in the name, but I can't remember what it was. That's the one that has all the workouts on it. Okay. That's also the one yeah, that, that workouts, connects. I don't see them. No, no, there is some on the standard watch, but uh, the on the trucking edition, it's that second piece of software. Okay. Okay. Well, and I'll keep looking. I have been searching, and I haven't found anything that was actually branded. Let's truck or let me, um, Kevin Rutherford. Let me go into uh, – I'm going to go into the um, – Apple store, because that's what I'm used to using. Uh, and I'll see if I can find it real quick, because I'm just drawing a total blank on the name of it right now. Let me try something else, see if we can figure this out. If anybody's listening and, and you know it, um, Brittany's sending me a message. So Garmin's website says to search diesel, D-E-Z-L. Okay. So in the app store, type in under the search, and I'm going to go do it right now on my phone and see. Uh, I know I've seen, I haven't installed the app yet. I've been too busy doing other stuff, so I haven't even so installed now, it. So now, is this a app separate from the Connect IQ store? Yes. You go directly to the Garmin site? Okay, that's why I haven't seen it. I haven't actually done it. All right, so... Yes. So if you if you go to your uh, app store for your phone and you type in diesel, D-E-Z-L, it will come up and it will show that it's for navigation. Actually, boy, they got a hell of a rating. They have okay. four. They have f- over 4,000 ratings with a five star, a full five star rating. Man, maybe I should go get the app. People must like it. Yeah, but that's that. That's the one. So you can actually have two apps on your phone for the one watch. You have the Garmin Connect, and then you have the Garmin Diesel app. That's also the app that okay. allows you. It's got the exercises on it, but it also allows you to connect to your Garmin Navigator in your truck and show all of your health data on your Navigator if you want. Okay, and then now uh, if I were wanted to share my stats. I go into friends and I would just type in like uh, Kevin Rutherford or yeah, I think so. I haven't I, would like I, I haven't played with that yet, but we need to get in there and start doing some more of that. So yeah. Well, I and you were talking to the last guy and you're able to see his stuff. I didn't know. Well, that he how what now he, what he does the process it, or if that was now I'll tell you his process and this was a lot of people do. They just they're using the app on their phone. So they bring up the data, they just screenshot the phone, and then they post it on Healthy Tribe. 
Oh, okay. That's what Fred was doing. There may be a better way to share in there. I should probably, you know, we've got, um, I should write all these questions down. We have Eric coming back with us here in a couple weeks. Eric from Garmin's going to be back with us. So we'll get some updates and um, we'll, we'll clarify all this stuff. Say, I'm sure there's an easier way to share. And I'd like to get that out to everybody because I want to start getting more of this data in. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just bought the watch yesterday, so it's, I'm definitely climbing the learning curve yet. So. Got it. There's a awful yeah. lot of stuff there. So, uh, and I just wanted to comment, too. Um, oh. I was just going to say, Brittany uh, just. About three quarters of the way through. Yeah, go ahead. I'm yeah, sorry. No, that's all right. Brittany just. We have a big delay today for some reason. And when we have a big delay like that, I can kind of hear it in my headset. It makes it harder to talk. It just, the conversation, it's, it's, you end up talking over each other when you have a big delay like this. But I swear to God, the internet is getting worse. Um, <laughs> I've been dealing with it for 30 years, and I would have thought that it would have been much better by now, but it seems to be getting worse. We're always fighting with it. Uh, Brittany, just let me know that um, Eric will be on the 21st. Hey, I'll watch for that. Another uh, comment was going to be, I'm about three-quarters of the way through Atlas Shrugged. Oh, boy. And, yeah. Oh, boy. Isn't that a crazy story? I wasn't aware that it was extensive. Oh, oh it's like it's, 60 it's, hours on Audible. Yeah, yeah, I'm 64. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. something. So, right, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it keeps yeah, you busy but, for quite uh, a while. It it's is. a, it's a... It's a whole it week's worth of listening, yeah. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Are you enjoying it? When I'm listening to you. So. Yes, I am. It's um it's it's quite a story for as long ago as it was written. I know. So. I know. Well, and here's the thing. She grew up in communist Russia. That's where her you know, that's her background. Uh, well, that, that, that explains exactly. an awful lot. Yes. Right. Yeah, she grew up yes. in communist Russia. Oh. She emigrated to the U.S., I think, before she was 20. I'm thinking she was late teens, early 20s, maybe. I'm not sure about that. Uh, she was a screenwriter in Hollywood. That's actually what she did. And then, obviously, she wrote, she wrote a lot. She has a ton of books, manuscripts, articles, all kinds of stuff. But... Um, Atlas Shrugged is the big one. The Fountainhead is really good, too, but the Fountainhead isn't political at all. No, well, not really. Not like um, Atlas oh, Shrugged does. It's, it's scary, the parallels that oh. I'm seeing between today's society. Yes, it is. And, you know, the way we're headed. Yes, it is. I, I swear this administration that we're dealing with right now looks an awful like, a lot like the administration in that book. It's, some of the stuff they do is so ridiculous. You look at it and go, that can't be real. <laughs> so very true. I mean, think well, about all this. All we can do think, is hope yeah. for the best and prepare Th for the worst. Think, so. think about this. We had the, um, just recently, we had that uh, little scare with the Ministry of Truth Department the government was starting. Are you kidding me? That's straight out of Atlas Shrugged. Exactly. You took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I couldn't even believe I was hearing that. I'm like, is this a spoof? I, are, are they for real? 
And they were. They really thought they were going to do that. Nobody was going to say anything. Oh, thank goodness we have a few watchdogs out there. Oh, man, you ain't kidding. We need a bunch more. Well, thank you very much. You have a fabulous day. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. All right, we are going to wrap this up. We're just about at the two-hour mark. Good start to the week. Great calls. We will see you back here tomorrow for the Power Hour, and I am going to do an episode of The Pit. I'm not really sure what I want to do at The Pit right now. Um, It's the one show that I'm not completely happy with. It really requires a lot of time for me right now. Um, I love it when I have John and Stanford on, but they're both really busy. I can't count on them, and a lot of times it's the last minute before I know they're not going to be on. So I've got to figure out what, I, what I'm going to do. If I, I may look for a permanent co-host. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, I'll throw something together tomorrow, and we will do an episode of The Pit tomorrow, and we'll try to continue doing it till I figure something out. All right. We will see you then. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. <laughs>